Well, we continue on in our uh, summer series in the Psalms this morning, and we're turning today to Psalm, uh, Psalm 4, uh, and if you would like to turn to that on your app or your, uh, the, the, the Bible in front of you there in the, in the pews, and it's on page 544, uh, and it would be great to have that open again as we uh, have a look at this psalm together uh, this morning. Psalm number 4, uh, if you would have that in front of you, that would be helpful, that would be great. So uh, it says at the top of the psalm that this is a psalm of David. And I'll read this psalm now. David writes, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us. O Lord, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Amen. 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 So, um, I don't know if you're much of a fan of table quizzes or not, and I'm not great at them myself, and so if we come to have a table quiz at our district tournament, you probably don't want me on your team. But my favorite round of the table quiz is always the dingbats. You know, a dingbat is where there's this mixture of words and symbols or words and pictures that present to us a well-known phrase or saying. So I have a little dingbat. I think it's a dingbat that I made up for you this morning, and I'm wondering, is it on the screen? Yes. Does anybody know what this dingbat may be? Under pressure. Under pressure. Absolutely. Under pressure. And I wonder, is that you today? Under pressure. You see, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, because my guess is that in this world in which we live today, a fair few of you are probably feeling at least a little bit hassled, a little bit stressed out, concerned, or under pressure. And if you're not like that, feeling like that just today, then you probably won't get too far into the new week until you're feeling at some point just a little bit under pressure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we all know what that feels like. And if that is you today, then you've come to the right place this morning. You see, we've just read together from Psalm 4, and we can see clearly that the writer of the psalm, King David, he was under pressure. <clears throat> And King David writes in verse 1, he writes, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. David is stressed out and under pressure at the start of the psalm. But here's the thing. By the end of the psalm, by verse 8, David is at peace. He says, I will lie down and sleep in peace. So what we want to know here this morning at Orangefield is this. How does David go from being under pressure to finding peace? 
And what can we learn from him and from this psalm that can help us go from being under pressure to finding peace? And I believe that God tells us in this psalm this morning that we go from pressure to peace through prayer. From pressure to peace through prayer. So we see at the start of this psalm, verse uh, verse 1, under pressure. David says, give me relief from my distress. The writer, he's besieged by distress. That's how he opens the psalm. And this is King David that we're talking about here. This is the greatest man in the Old Testament. The man after God's own heart. And yet he comes to God with his open and honest acknowledgement that he's under pressure, that he's distressed, and he needs help. And you know, that's where we have to start as well in the journey. For as David comes honestly and humbly, so he moves from anxiety to assurance. This psalm is a prayer. It's a kind of a model prayer, and it's a path for us to follow. It's a journey that we too, that if we take it, will move us from pressure to peace. And so let's take this journey together this morning. Let's unpack this psalm a little bit as we go. So what is David stressed out about? Well, he's under pressure from within and from without. Firstly, from without, from other people. He says in verse 2, How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? He's under pressure from other people because they are mocking him and they're mocking his faith. He says, How long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? You see, the psalmist's glory is his God. He glorifies God and God is his glory. But people around him are mocking him and his God. Now, does this sound familiar to you? Is this maybe one of the areas where you're coming under pressure in your life today? Do people that that we live with or work with, do family or friends or colleagues, do they ever mock our God or our faith? Because if they do, well, it's nothing new. We see here 3,000 years ago, people were mocking God, and they were mocking his people, and they were mocking David's faith. And David felt it, and so do we. This was just one of the areas that David was under pressure from without. He's also under pressure from within. He's under attack from his own emotions. He says in verse 4, he says to himself, in your anger, do not sin. You see, David is aware of his own emotions. He could easily get angry. He could get angry with those men. He could get angry with the situation. He could get angry with God. He's aware of his own weaknesses and temptation to sin. And so he warns himself. He warns himself and he wants to nip it in the bud. He doesn't want to let it develop into sinful words or actions. And that makes us think too, doesn't it? When we're under pressure, do we ever let our emotions take over? When we're stressed out by God's grace, you see, we need to seek to keep our emotions in check. One of the reasons that we need to pray is for the grace of God and the strength of God to keep a grip on our emotions. David calls us also then in verse 4 to search our hearts and be silent. There is this call to search our own hearts For the heart is the seat of the emotions. And when we we are to search it and to be silent before God, we are to reflect on things, to repent and to receive God's grace when we need it. 
David is also struggling here, we see, from his own doubts. Verse 6, he writes, many are asking, who can show us any good? You see, the, the psalmist recalled the words of the mockers, those who were up front and attacking him, but now he turns his attention to those who would try to sow seeds of doubt in his mind. And, and these doubts about our faith, about our God, they can be just as harmful as physical or upfront oppression. But they can arise oh so subtly. You see, an attack by enemies, we can, we can thwart by trusting in God, but, but those nagging doubts, when they rise, they can knock our confidence. It can be undermined. You see, we live, you know we live in the midst of a doubting world. In the midst of a doubting world which has turned its back on God and on God's word, and it wants us to do the same. We live in the midst of an increasingly God-mocking society where it is very easy for the devil to slide up alongside us and to whisper in our ear, did God really say? That's what happened in the garden at the fall, isn't it? You see, Satan's very first form of attack on humanity and on our relationship with God was to whisper in our ear, did God really say? And Satan still loves to try that one, the oldest trick in the book. He's cunning. He doesn't come up front with a full-on attack on us and say there is no God because he knows that we would struggle to believe that one. No, instead, he comes with this doubt-inducing, did God really say? And if the devil can get us doubting God and doubting God's word to us, then he can start to get a foothold in our lives. And so we must respond to him. We must respond in prayer. And we must respond by by pointing out what God really did say. And let Satan know that yes, God really did say it. It's here in black and white. If we ever doubt our faith, then we must look again to God's word. And put our trust afresh in the Lord as David does as he comes to him in prayer. For we see David under pressure and then we see him coming in prayer. Coming in prayer. David continues in verse 4, and be silent. And so as we come to the Lord in prayer, we must stop and be silent. Be silent before him and listen. And in that silence, God will speak to us. His Holy Spirit will use this silence to bring to mind a helpful phrase from Scripture, a memory verse, a catechism answer, or the words of a song. God will speak to us in the silence. You see, too often our prayer is one way. We we come to God, we tell Him what we want, we think over our problems, and then we complain that the Lord hasn't spoken to us. But as we are silent, as we are silent before the Lord, then guidance and assurance and faith will be ours from him. And then next David calls us to worship, worship. He says to worship. Verse 5, offer right sacrifices. You see, prayer is for the purpose of inner tranquility, but it's also for action. It's not for isolating ourselves, but for fellowship. It's for communion with God. The ultimate form of communion with God is worship. 
The Hebrew word used here for offer, it is the basic word for the sacrifice offered in worship. And so coming to God in prayer leads us to the worship of God. And as we offer him our worship, so our faith grows. And we find our answers. We find our security in him. And thus this final exhortation in verse 5 to trust in the Lord, it is fulfilled. But this is not merely a, an intellectual act, though this is a growing, this is throwing ourselves, throwing ourselves completely upon God in faith. You see, our calling to trust in the Lord uh, is to trust in the Lord. And, and the road to trust is to control our emotions, to engage our minds, to listen to God in silence, to respond in worship, and to surrender afresh to Him. This is what we do when we come in prayer. But look, King David also knows to whom he comes. And this is really important. It's really important for us to know that when we come in prayer, to whom we come to. It tells us here that we come to a God who is both righteous and merciful. Verse 1. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. You see, David knows that God is righteous. And this is one of the characteristics of God that we reflected on last Sunday. God is utterly righteous and he is utterly right. He has a standard of righteousness that, and there is no greater measure. God is righteous in that he keeps his covenant with his people. He upholds his moral law and he fulfills all his promises. And any time we come in prayer before him, we call out to this one and the same righteous God. There is also that acknowledgement of that personal relationship. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. That is our righteous God. You see, prayer is not about coming with a shopping list. It's more about developing this closer and stronger and deeper relationship with our righteous God. The one who always does what is right. And God has promised us his presence and victory over adverse circumstances. Faith in God's righteousness is based upon his covenant promise that he will come to the rescue of his covenant people. Calling boldly on God, it's a privilege that belongs to us, his children. And what a privilege it is. He's a righteous God too, who by his grace makes his people righteous. And in this gift of righteousness that makes David and you and me holy, and so we can confidently say in verse 3, with David, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. Folks, when we come in prayer, we come to a righteous God and we come to a merciful God. Verse 1, David says, Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. And verse 3, with assurance, he says, The Lord will hear when I call upon him. David knows who God is and David recalls God's mercy towards him in the past. He knows that God has answered his prayers in the past. And since God has done this before, then David comes expectant that God will do it again. We see that some of the power in prayer comes partly from remembering. You see, Satan would love us to forget the answers to prayer that we've had in the past. He really would. 
But as we pray, we need to remember, we need to recall God's faithfulness and his answers to prayers in the past. And so as he remembers the past, then David expects God to have mercy upon him and help him again now, in the present and in the future, and so can we. We can pray with faith, we can pray with confidence, we can pray expectantly. For God is righteous and merciful. And so David comes to this God in prayer. As he comes to this God, so we see him finding peace. Finding peace in the presence and joy of the Lord. As he comes to this God, he finds peace in the presence of the God who smiles upon him. He says in verse 6, let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. The psalmist overcomes the pressures from within and from without by recalling that ancient blessing, that blessing that he would have heard used over and over in the temple, that blessing too which we are familiar with. We use it at every baptism. We use it at licensings and ordinations and, and, and weddings. It's the ironic blessing from Numbers 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I don't know if you've ever thought much about this or not before, but throughout Scripture there is actually this acknowledgement that God is smiling on his people. God is smiling on his people. It's it's expressed slightly differently in different places. The Bible tells us that God's face is radiant towards Israel. That God's face shines on his children. That God lifts up his countenance upon his people. God actually smiles upon us. God is smiling upon us. So you see in verse 6 when the doubters come asking who can show us any good the psalmist swipes away their doubts and his own for David knows the answer to this question. David knows that it is God who shows us any good. It is God who shows us every good as he lets the light of his face shine upon us. So as the psalmist comes to God in prayer putting his trust in the Lord who smiles upon him. So, verse 7, he receives an inner joy, an inner joy which is greater than those outward manifestations of joy which characterized his society, the joy that stemmed from a successful harvest. You see, in ancient Palestine, there were two annual harvests. The grain harvest, which provided the flour for the bread, the staple food for the people, and the grape harvest, which provided the wine, the staple drink for the people. And after both the grain harvest and the grape harvest, there was much celebrating and there was much joy. But David says here that as God smiles upon him, it brings him even more joy than the joy of the harvests. To know that God is smiling on him fills him with more joy than all the wine in Israel. You see, the greatest joy that David prayed for was not that of a harvest home. It was not for material things. 
But it was for an awareness of the light of God's countenance. It was that he would be aware of God smiling on him as he waited in prayer in the presence of the Lord whose joy is his strength. David continues in verse 7 here then. You have filled my heart with greater joy. You have filled my heart with greater joy. You see, the source of this joy is clear. God is the initiator and God is the provider. God provides the joy. Many people out there today are under pressure and they're seeking all sorts of weird and wonderful self-help programs. But look, uh, prayer prayer is not a self-help program. No, God is our helper. God is present with us. God speaks to us. God smiles upon us. And God provides the joy. Through prayer, in the stillness and the silence, we're filled with the joy of the Lord as he speaks to us from his word and as he meets with us by his spirit. When God smiles upon us and blesses us with material things, well, yes, we be thankful for those gifts, but we keep our eye fixed firmly on the giver and we worship him alone. And when we properly focus on God himself, the giver, we find that peace. And and this peace is spelt out finally in verse 8 with the consequence of this in sleep and safety. For David concludes his psalm, I will lie down and sleep in peace. The emphasis here is on peace, on God's great shalom. And God's great shalom is about so much more than the absence of pressure. It's about having a sense of complete and total well-being. That's what shalom is. And that's what the psalmist receives as he comes to God in prayer. And so can we. David finishes. He says, For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Again, just like the joy, it is the Lord who provides. I will lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Our well-being and our peace are gifts from God. So as we come to him in prayer, we, we, we let him take the pressure off as we trust in him, as we surrender our concerns into his hands. For it is he alone who can make us dwell in safety. I'll just finish with a, a story. Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven was a young man who lived in Banbridge in the 1800s. And Joseph Scriven knew what it was like to be under pressure. The day before they were due to be married, his fiancée died in a tragic accident. Following this, Scriven emigrated to Canada. And whilst he was in Canada, his mother became seriously ill back home. He wrote a poem to comfort her and sent it back to her in Banbridge. The words of the poem were later set to music and they became the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And that hymn also speaks of how we can go from pressure to peace through prayer. King David and Joseph Scriven both knew what it was to make that journey. And both King David's psalm and Scriven's hymn can help us to do that too. We've read and looked together at David's psalm. And in a moment we will sing Scriven's hymn.
But just now as I finish, out of the assurance that God is present, that he is righteous and merciful, that he hears our prayers and smiles upon us, and out of the worship and trust of our hearts, we find peace as we come to him in prayer. Are you under pressure today? Well, God's word for you is this. Go on the journey with David through this psalm, from pressure to peace in prayer. That's the bottom line, from pressure to peace through prayer. So shall we pray together for a moment now? Let us pray. Answer me when I call to you. O my righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. We come to God now in prayer and bearing in mind what he's just been saying to us. In the silence, we bring to him those things which are putting us under pressure and we start to receive his peace. Come, Holy Spirit, give us your peace. Make your face to shine upon us. Lord, as we bring our burdens, our concerns, our anxieties to you in prayer, so we receive your peace. And we can say with David, we will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make us dwell in safety. With grateful thanksgiving and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.